for 2,000 years, Christians have been trying to figure out how do you live the Christian life? How do you live a successful Christian life, a victorious Christian life? How do you find victory over sin? How do you pursue a life of godliness? And there have been all kinds of theories and ideas going, well, you need to do this and don't do this and rely on this and you need to experience this. Everyone seems to have their theory. Everyone seems to have their idea. But even after, well, 2,000 years, the one thing that we continue to see in the life of Christians is sin, struggle, failure. So how do we understand that? How do we approach when someone's like, here's how you live the Christian life. Just follow this. Do, are we to be skeptical? Are we to question it? Are we, are we to wholeheartedly embrace it so that we can finally experience the Christian life that we've all been striving to experience? Well, I want us to talk about that today, and we will, starting right now. Welcome, everyone, to the Theology Central Podcast. It is Wednesday, July the 6th, 2022. It is currently 1.31 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. And I can say this, welcome to Day 24. Welcome to Scripture Number 24 and our ongoing series, 30 Scriptures in 30 Days, we're we're making it. We're getting closer. I mean, twenty four. I, I I when this started, I didn't I didn't really think we would finish it. And there were times during that I was ready to give up. But we're we're so close now that there's just no way to give up. Even if every broadcast, if 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 day twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, and thirty, if all of them just end up complete failures, absolute train wrecks. I'm still going to see this through, and then the series will just be there as some weird... I don't know how people will view... Um, I, I don't know how people will view it at the end. I don't know, and thank you very much. Someone just said, yes, you will finish. That's I, the, the plan is, it, it will be... 
It would be interesting if some just, and at some point this will happen, someone on the internet stumbles upon the series. I wonder how they will view it. Like, uh, I mean, I, I think people who may hear it after may see it as some weird oddity and, and thinking, well, that was kind of a weird experiment. Maybe it'll just view be viewed as a weird experiment that other people know to avoid. Who knows? But it will all be there. But I think today is going to be very, I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, I've got to do, the problem is some of these that we've covered, So, and, and for, for those who don't know, Charles Stanley wrote a book called 30 Life Principles. Uh, in that book, he gives us 30 principles and he tries to connect them to, well, very random scriptures ripped out of their context. In my opinion, he came up with the, he came up with the principles and then just tried to force them uh, upon the text of scripture instead of studying the text of scripture to let it give us the principle. So what we've been doing is we're just taking his principle, looking at it, setting it aside, looking at the scripture and see what we can do with it. This is happening in real time. I'm not doing any study to prepare for it. I'm just, what I will do is look, open up the, the book and go, okay, there's the principle, there's the scripture. I try not to even read the scripture. And then I try to figure this out in real time. The goal of doing that in real time, the reason I do that is as I'm struggling through it, live on the air, stumbling over my words, repeating things so that I can try to figure out what to do next. As I'm doing that, hopefully you're sitting there going, no, 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 no. I would go this direction. No, no, I think it, I would, and you're trying to figure it out. And so in a roundabout way, I've kind of manipulated you to actually participate instead of just passively sitting there, which I don't want you doing. I like you involved in the process. I really, and I, if you think about it, if you've ever listened to my preaching at my church, I do the same thing from the pulpit, right? I preach in such a way where I'm like, no, 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 no. No, I'm trying to get them involved. I'll try to get them to come up with an outline. I'm I'm always trying to get people involved because I think learning takes place when people are participating. I don't think, learn. here's my theory, and I, I know not everyone agrees. I think, I don't think a lot of learning occurs so much from just a lecture. I think there's a level. I think true learning is when you're participating and struggling with it, like when the, the person teaching and the person listening are kind of we're in it together, right? It's not just like, oh, I stand here, you sit there, listen to me. But it's more like, hey, guys, here's the, here's the text, here's the issue. Let's work together and see if we can figure it out. I just think learning takes place better in that capacity. I know there may be studies that would argue against my perspective or my philosophy, but that's the way I like to see it, right? So a lot of times, uh, you know, someone maybe at church will say, man, you know, I'm, I've learned so much from this church or, 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 you know, so much from your teaching. And I was like, no, 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 no. We've learned together. We're working together. We're, we're, we're in this together. It's not like me teaching you. We're, we're in it together. And I see the same thing here. I, I, I'm, I'm sitting in front of a microphone in the middle, you know, Abilene, Texas. You're wherever you are, but I still perceive that it's not me teaching you. We're working together. We're, we're trying to figure this out together. And hopefully as that, hopefully that philosophy creates an atmosphere where more learning takes place. I don't know. Maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm just being too optimistic, but that's the way I perceive it. And hopefully, well, hopefully that's going to be beneficial. But I say all of that because in these episodes, I haven't been able to do that really in my, 
in the normal way, because a lot of this, I would be like, okay, guys, here's the issue. All right. Now we're going to spend four weeks trying to figure this out. What do you think? And I've had to do a little bit more just going, here's what I think. And now let's move on. But looking at the principle in front of me and looking at the scripture, this one screams Bible study exercise. This one screams, we need about 15 weeks to figure this out because it really comes to the heart of the question I began this episode with. How do you live the Christian life? I don't know where you're listening to me today. Maybe you're home. Maybe you're sitting in your office during your lunch break. Maybe you're in your car. I don't know where. But just, I want you to think about this. If wherever you are today, you, someone comes knock on your door later, maybe later this evening, you're back at home. You're sitting here. You've had supper. You're just sitting there. You're just resting. And all of a sudden, knock on the door. And you go open the door and they're like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. And you're like, well, come on in because you know the person, right? And the person is a brand new Christian, brand new. They've been saved you know, maybe two or three weeks, maybe a couple of, maybe just a couple of days, you know, they're excited and they come to you and they're like, Hey, I I need your help. And you're like, okay, what do you need help? Okay. Well, I'm trying to figure out this Christian life thing. And you're like, okay, well, (laughs) I'm trying to figure it out too, but okay. What's your question? They're like, how do you do it? How do you live the Christian life? How is it supposed to work? How can I do it? So that it's, that I'm successful, that quote unquote, victorious. Like, how does this work? Do you have, what would be your, you know, philosophy summarized in a very short statement that you could just, would you be, would you handle them something? Wouldn't you hand them something? Or would you take a different approach and go, nope, there is no secret. There is no magic formula. It's, it's, and you would describe more like just a long, a long marathon, a long journey where there's stumbles and and failure and victory and success and repentance and confession and struggle and confusion and doubt? Or would you say, no, no, here's the secret. I think there were times in my Christian, early in my Christian life, I thought that there was a secret. There was an idea. There was a formula. And every time I couldn't figure it out, I was, I was like, okay, give me another book. Give me another book. Okay. Give me, I think, uh, was it Andrew Murray, The Secret of Abiding? I can't, there was all these different books, you know, My Utmost for His Highest was the divine, anything people like this, this book has the secret. I'm like, oh, give me that book. Okay, what is it? And sometimes I'd be like, I just don't, I, I don't think this works. I don't think this works. I don't think this works. And it's always something, you know, purpose-driven life. Oh, this book transformed my life. It you know, the prayer of Jabez, you name it. There's always that one, the new thing, the new idea. Well, I fear that what we have here for day 24, scripture number 24, found in Charles Stanley's book, uh, 30 Life Principles, I believe that, well, that's kind of what he's getting ready to offer us. But he's going to do so based off of scripture, and the scripture is quoted by many. But do we understand it correctly? How should we understand it? Are you ready? Okay, 11, that's, that's too long of an introduction, uh, but here we go. Are you ready? All right. I say, again, I'm just saying that because this really requires a different approach that I'm going to be able to, t- to take, but maybe we'll have to circle back around to some of these and handle them in a different way in the future. But here we go. Life principle number 24, to live the Christian life. Now, there we have it, right? That's see, see now why I've done all of this introductory work. Charles Stanley is about to give us a principle and how to live the Christian life. 
All right, here we go. Here's the secret, all right? So tell everyone to stop talking. Tell everyone to be quiet around you. Okay, shh. You tell me, I'm about to hear the secret to the Christian life. I've got to write this down. To live the Christian life is to allow. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, so the secret to the Christian life is for me to allow something. To allow. Let's let's do something. I'm going to look up a word here. I'm going to look up the word here. Let's look up the word allow definition. Allow. To give someone permission to do something. So the secret of the Christian life is for me to allow, to give permission. Who am I allowing? What permission am I giving? Well, according to this, to live the Christian life is for me to allow, to grant permission to Jesus to live his life in and through me. So the secret of the Christian life is where I say, Jesus, I allow you, I grant you permission to live your life in and through me. <laughs> wow. There, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe in your theology, you don't have a problem with that. Maybe in your theology, it, you're just like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I have to allow Jesus. And I just, that just bothers me in certain ways. I'm like, he... He's the sovereign son of God. He's the eternal son of God. And I'm the one who, who dictates what he can and can't do. Look, hey, hey, I want to live the Christian life, but you know what? I'm not going to allow you to live your life in and through me. So you're not allowed to do that. But I'm still going to live the Christian life. It's just not going to be very successful. But, but if I would just allow you, if I would just allow Jesus to do that, then I would find the magical formula. Now, Think about this logically. That means, I guess, if you're not reaching a certain level of success, a certain level of victory, well, then you're not really allowing Jesus to live in and through you. So if you're struggling and falling and having a sin or having, having problems with a sin and you come to me, I'm like, well, the problem is you're not allowing Jesus. You're not allowed. And then you'll be like, well, how do I allow Jesus? Because I think I'm allowing Jesus, but I keep falling. So what is it? So every time I mess up, it's not because it's because I didn't allow Jesus. I think that will live, lead you to a perpetual state of, I don't know, insanity. You'll be questioning yourself every single day. Well, I, I was doing so good, and then boom, I started thinking this or started struggling with this. Or, I, oh, Man, Jesus, I'm, I'm allowing you. I'm allowing you. I'm allowing you. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Oh, man, I'm not really. Okay, man, I'm, I'm not really allowing him. What, what's wrong with me? I think it will just lead to a perpetual state of confusion and doubt. Others will say, nope, that's the way it works. Now, he bases all of this principle on a passage in the New Testament. I'm glad we're back in, we're in the New Testament still. But let me give you the principle again. According to Charles Stanley, to live the Christian life, the secret to the Christian life is for you, right there, you, whoever you are today. It's up to you to allow Jesus to live his life in and through you. Here is the scripture. The book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. Let's see. 
what we're about to discover. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I don't really know where the allow, me allowing Jesus anything. The verse actually begins with stating a dogmatic fact. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. If I've been crucified and I no longer live, well, then obviously I, it's not about me allowing Jesus. I'm dead. I've been crucified. I can't allow. I've been crucified. I'm dead. So I, how can I be allowing or disallowing? How can I be granting permission or, re, or rejecting the request? How, uh, like, I don't, that doesn't even make any sense. The verse starts off with the fact that I am crucified with Christ um, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This, this states it as a dogmatic fact. I have been crucified. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I, I, I'm utterly perplexed once again by this principle. I, I'm once again completely confused here. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to set aside the principle that Charles Stanley gives us because it makes, to me, it contradicts. Once again, he has a principle. He grabbed a scripture and I think the scripture contradicts the principle. The principle is all about what I will do, what I will allow or not allow. That's the secret. Galatians 2.20, 2, the scripture he provides doesn't say anything about what I do. It's speaking about something that has been done, something that is a fact. So the first thing we're going to do, we're going to set aside Charles Stanley, and we're just going to look at this scripture, all right? And then we may work through a little bit of the stuff in the Life Principles study guide here. Um, yeah, I, mm. oh, I have some problems here. All right, so I'm going to set, I'm going to grab my Kindle, I'm going to set it over side, and I'm going to, I'm going to grab my King James right here. Galatians chapter 2. And if you're taking notes today, just find a blank sheet of paper somewhere or whatever you have to write down. I don't care where where you can write it. I don't care how you, I don't care how you write it. I don't care what you use to write it down with. I'm not even going to require pencil. I don't care. Just write these points down, all right? Here we go. Galatians 2:20, all right? I want you to just we'll write these down. We're going to break this down a principle, and I want to say point by point, and I'm not saying this, this, I'm not giving you a principle here. I just want us to break down the factual or declarative statements in the verse that is saying this, it's declaring a reality. Here it is. Number one, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Stop right there. I'm crucified with Christ. Now, we would understand this biblically or theologically that this is the way this occurs. When I place 
When I am brought to faith in Jesus Christ, when I place my faith in him, I'm united with Christ. And I am united with him in his death. So in that I am crucified with him, that the old me is crucified with Christ. All right? And then, so that's number one, I'm crucified with Christ. Number two, nevertheless, I, or how the King James says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ. So we're going to break this in, in, in a couple, we're going to break this down a couple of ways. I'm crucified. Number two, I no longer live. So I am crucified. I no longer live. And number three, Christ now liveth in me or lives in me. Number one, I'm crucified. Number two, I no longer live. Number three, Christ lives in me. Right? There's there's three. Number four, um, the life that I live now in the flesh, I live by faith, by the faith of the Son of God. All right, so that, that one, that one we try to find a way to shorten that one, but that's okay. Let's break these down. So number one, I'm crucified with Christ. Number two, I, don't, I no longer live. Number three, Christ lives in me. And number four, the life I live in the flesh is lived by the faith of the Son of God. That's worded a little weird, but that's okay. The life I live in the flesh now is lived by the faith of the Son of God. Now, here's the question. When we talk about some of those things, and we, we talk about this a lot on this podcast, all right? And I know some of you get tired of me saying it, but I, I've stated it so many t- times. I think one of the absolute essential elements to living, to understanding the Christian life, not necessarily living it, but to understanding it, is to note the difference between one's position and one's practice. And what do I mean by that? There are truths about my position in Christ that are just absolutely certain. They're absolutely true. And no matter what is happening in my practical life, no no matter what is happening in practice, it does not change the reality of that position. So here's what I know. In my position in Christ, I am crucified and I am dead. Because when I stand in my position standing before God, I'm not seen. Because I'm dead. I've been crucified. What stands there before God is really Christ Jesus. It's not me. It's Christ Jesus. My, I'm so united with him that I am no longer seen in my position. What is seen is because I've died. What is seen there is Jesus Christ, his righteousness, his obedience, his faith, everything about Jesus. That's what is seen. That is true. So in my position, I've been crucified with Christ. I, I no longer live, and it's Christ who lives in my place. That's all true of my position. That is absolutely dogmatically just true. And my, my actions and my failures does not change that. Because look, here's what I know. And the reason we have to draw a distinction If I was crucified with Christ and I'm dead and I no longer live, well, then guess what should be true in my, if this was true practically, if this was true in practice, I would be sinless. I would be perfect because I'm dead. 
I couldn't be, I'd be, I couldn't be struggling with sin. I couldn't be struggling with lust. I couldn't be struggling with bitterness or anger. I couldn't be struggling with anything. It would be like, dun, da, dun, da, da. It's, I'm dead. Christ lives in me. The, the eternal, sinless son of God. It would be just like spiritual victory after spiritual victory after spiritual victory after spiritual victory. I would never say anything incorrectly. I never would hurt anyone's feelings. I would never be too rude, too sarcastic, too mean. I would never be, I would just be like, man, everything he says is right. Everything he does is right. He he has he he shows love, he shows kindness, he shows forgiveness. I mean, he is, he is, well, he's perfect. Well, but anyone who knows me is like, man, he's, he's not perfect. He, I'm not perfect. I'm a million, I don't even know where, I couldn't get to perfect. Even if you had a GPS, I couldn't get there. So I have to draw a distinction between some of these absolutely just dogmatic declarations and I have to understand them in a positional way. So let's go through them again. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Absolute fact. I'm united with him. I was crucified with him. He was crucified. I was crucified. All right? He, he died for my sins. So I'm dead to, the, to the, uh, the penalty of sin. I'm dead to the curse of sin because, I, well, Christ died to pay for that sin and I died in him. Nevertheless, uh, I it's, I no no I no longer live. I, I I'm dead. So I, I was crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. It's not me that lives anymore in my position. It's Christ Jesus. So what God sees is He sees His the perfect His perfect Son, and I don't want Him to see me, because if He sees me, He's going to be depart from me. For I never knew you. He's going to say, "Depart from me, your work, you worker of iniquity." But if He sees His Son, He well enter in. Well done, my good and faithful servant. The only way to hear well done, good and faithful servant is I have to be in Christ and I have to be dead. All right? So, and then Christ liveth in me. Christ lives in me. It's Christ. And then the life I now live according to the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it in a different translation. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, how do I live my life? So those are positional truths. But now, how do I live this life in the flesh? How do I live right here in the flesh right now? I live by faith in Jesus Christ. I live my life in the faith of that. Uh, that here's what's true. I live my life in practice knowing what is true positionally. What is true positionally is I'm crucified I'm dead. Christ liveth in me. Now I live in the flesh by that, by faith in that reality. I, I am living by faith in a reality and a truth that doesn't always, is not manifest in practice. I don't see it. I see, a, I see a person, me right here, looking in the, I don't have a mirror near, near me, but if I did, if I look in the mirror, I see a person who's a sinner, who struggles, who fails, who, who there's so many issues, but I know by faith, I'm dead. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. There, this ha- that's the only way to understand the Christian life is to know the difference between position and practice, per- per- between my positional life and my practical life. If you destroy that, 
you, I think you live a life of denial because so many times we take these verses that I think are speaking about our position. We claim it's true of our practical life. And then guess what we discover? It never truly manifests itself. It's like when Christians say, oh, no, 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 no. See, if you become a Christian, you're a new creature. Old things pass away. All things are become new. Well, if that's true practically, then there would be no more sinful nature. So then we have to pretend something that isn't true. So I want you to write those down. All right, here we go. I am crucified with Christ is number one. Number two, no longer live. Number three, Christ lives in you. And number four, you live your life in the flesh by faith. Let's just state it that way. You live your life in the flesh by faith. The faith is what is in true positionally. The Christian life is the process, the impossible process, the never-ending process. Well, uh, well, it only ends when we're glorified. We'll say the Christian life is the lifelong process of attempting to live out and practice what is true positionally, and you will never accomplish that. So we could we could say the Christian life is the impossible task of trying to live out in some manner and practice what is true in your position. My sin, my failures bother me every single day. But I... My only hope, my only rest, my only peace is that I'm in Christ and therefore I'm being crucified. I'm dead. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And now in this practical everyday life, I have to live by faith to that principle, to that fact, not even a principle, to that reality. There's a positional reality that I have to believe by faith because practice would tell me it's not true. Practice would say, nope, that position cannot be true because my practice contradicts the position every single day. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. Sight, I see position. Failure, sinner, I, I don't deserve, I, I, I deserve to go to hell. Faith, I'm sinless, I'm holy, I'm perfect, I'm obedient, I'm righteous, and I'm a good and faithful servant. That's the only way to even come close to understanding this. Now, do you want to do you want to at least take a few minutes and hear what he has to I know you're like, so what principles should we write down? What what principles should we write down? Um I'm going to write down something like this. Let's let's grab the notebook here. I'm going to write a principle down something like this. To see where are we at. Where's the page number? Okay, hang on. There's my, got to find where we were at in the notebook. I've got way too many pages in this notebook filled with all kinds of random notes. All right, here we go. Where are, where is the notes? Here we go. 37, 38, 39. This would be uh, number 40. All right, here's number 40. Sorry, I kept leaning away from the microphone there. Not very professional. Number 40. We must understand the difference and reality of position in Christ 
versus living out the Christian life. All right. Hopefully you write, wrote that down because if I try to read what I just wrote down, I won't be able to. I won't be able to read it. We must understand the difference and reality of position of a, uh, see, we must understand the difference. And I'm going to say reality of our position in Christ versus living out the Christian life. All right, I, I think, I, don't, I know I probably said that differently, but trying to, I, I wrote down words here that I can't read. Who he must understand the difference and reality of our position in Christ versus living out the Christian life. All right, and if I said that differently the first time, by all means, you can put it in the chat and say, no, I think you said it this way the first time. That's okay, and I, and I will correct, correct it. But we must understand the difference and reality of our position in Christ versus living out the Christian life. I think that's an absolute key, key principle in for, for, for your life as a Christian. I got to note that I got to know the difference. I got to know the reality of those two things. There's my position in Christ. Here's me living out the Christian life. There, there those different, different ever. There's a difference. There's a different reality about both of those. And if you confuse those, the Christian life becomes an absolute I think it becomes a miserable, unlivable experience that will lead to discouragement, depression, and I'm going to say deconstruction, which I've said a million times. Now, that's 33 minutes. I could stop right there, and I think I would get at least a a golf clap, right? I think that's, I would get just basically that. Yeah, it was okay. You know, it's in my top, you know, I don't know, 9,000, you know, maybe, 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 maybe it makes the top 9,000. Okay. I understand. Maybe that's the most exciting stuff. Very important stuff though. So let's at least hear what Charles Stanley has to say, because clearly his position is going to be night and day for mine. And maybe this will add a little bit more, you know, maybe it'll get me into the top 400. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. This is what he says. This is in uh, Life Principles, uh, the 30 Life Principles book by Charles Stanley. What troubles your heart today? What concern is consuming you with fear and doubt? Do you realize that it's not your place to worry about the person, situation, or issue? Have you come to understand that everything that concerns you is Christ's responsibility for care, to care for rather than yours, and that your job is simply to obey him? David wrote in Psalm 138, 7 through 8, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. You may be used to taking care of yourself and or others. Uh, That is a difficult truth to accept. However, if we will embrace principle number 24, to live the Christian life is to allow Jesus to live his life in and through us, then you will experience all of the peace, joy, confidence, and assurance that are rightfully yours in Christ Jesus. If you don't, then you'll continue being distracted by issues that were never yours to worry about, and you will miss the blessings of the abundant life that God planned for you. Hey, you can have the abundant life, but you have to stop disallowing Jesus to live in and through you. Again, the verse he gives does not say that. It says declarative, this is true. You are crucified. You are no longer live. Christ lives in you. And then you are to live according to faith, but you're to live by faith in the flesh. Everything he said there is like, hey, you can, here's the abundant life right here. Here it is. Here it is. But you've got to do something. 
you've got to allow Jesus to live in you. Then you can have it. Well, if you never experienced abundant life, then I guess it's, this becomes very works-based instead of gospel-based. I think we could say that. Now, they go on to do this. They jump from that, which is very weird, to the Jerusalem Council. Now, if you, don't, if you know anything about the Jerusalem Council, it's recorded in Acts chapter 15. It was the first conference held by the early church. It addressed the concerns of the Judaizers who trusted Jesus as the Savior, but also believed that Christians should keep the law in order to attain salvation. Of course, Christ made no such requirement for salvation. That's true. The, the, Jerusalem of, the Council of Jerusalem was like, okay, here's what you have to do to be, you know, the Jews were like, you need to do all of these things in order to be saved. And they were like, no, they, they're no longer under the law. They don't have to follow all those restrictions. And then it does give them some things that the Gentile believers can do to, in, in order to make sure that everything is good. But if you read some of it, if you go a little bit further, it seems some of those restrictions are kind of thrown out. So we, we could get into a whole discussion about the Council of Jerusalem. But it's just interesting that the Council of Jerusalem, they did not tell the Gentiles they needed to follow the Sabbath or that they needed to follow the Old Testament tithe, which is just interesting, right? If there was ever a time to say, hey, guys, no, 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 no. You may be Christians now. You may believe in Jesus, but you got to follow the Sabbath and you got to follow the Old Testament tithe. I think it's just interesting. It's not mentioned there, but okay, right? And we talked a little bit about, well, Again, some of our, sometimes all of our podcasts are connected. I just have to sometimes say things with you, hoping that you've listened to everything else we've talked about, all right? Uh, they go on to say this. Read Acts 15, 1 through 5 in Galatians 2. Why did Paul criticize Peter? What was the dispute? Well, we won't, we won't read everything in Acts 15. We'll go to Galatians chapter 2 really quick. We'll go to Galatians 2, since we're already there. Galatians 2 see, 11 through 13, Galatians 2, 11 through 13. Um, here we go. Galatians 2, 11 through 13. But when Peter was come to Antioch, Paul, speaking of himself, says, I withstood him face to face because he was to be blamed. For there that certain came from James, he did eat. Be, I'm going to read this again. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. So Peter would, would eat with the Gentiles, hang out with the Gentiles. But when certain people would come, basically the Judaizers or, or Jews would come, he, would, he withdrew from the Gentiles like, I can't hang out with them anymore. I can't, I, can't do, I can't do that anymore. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with this dissimulation. In other words, great division occurred. Like, oh, okay, stop hanging out with the Gentiles. Stop eating with the Gentiles. The Gentiles are over there. We are Jews. And it started breaking apart and along racial division instead of being unified in our identity in Christ. Verse 14, oh no, they just wanted, that's it. That's as far as I wanted us to read. So that was the dispute is basically Peter and them was like, oh, we're not going to hang out with the Gentiles anymore. Then it says, read uh, Galatians 2, 14 through 21. It says this, But when I saw that they walked not upright according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not uh, as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Who are by who who we who are Jews by nature and not the sinners of the Gentiles? 
knowing this, that not, a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. So Paul's solution is like, wait, 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 what are you doing? It, our, the focus here is not living as a Jew or living as a Gentile. The focus should be is that we're not saved by what we do. We're saved by our faith in Jesus Christ, right? It's not about works. It's not about the law. It's not about living according to these traditions or ideas or concepts. How is a person saved, right? How, well, if you look at... Uh, if you look at Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. That's, that's how we're saved. We're saved by faith, not by living as a Jew or living as a Gentile or following these rules. Okay, so far, so good, all right? They go on, when Peter spoke of the salvation of the Gentiles, he was referring to what had occurred as he was preaching to Cornelius and his household in Acts chapter 10. All right. Why do you think our tendency is to be distracted by the law, good deeds, and religious activities. Well, I think we have a tendency to do that. Um, you see, they, they uh, I'm going to do a, well, they, they don't really give us a good answer here. They just ask the question, why do you think our tendency is to dis be distracted by the law, good deeds, and religious activities? Here's the reason I think we, we, we do this. We can see, look, we, we all know, because God's law is written on our heart, we all have a never-ending sense of guilt, right? We, we all know, we, we, we know just it's inside of us. There's a sense of guilt. There's a sense of shame. We know, we just feel like we never truly live up. This is talked about in psychology a lot, that a lot of people come to a psychologist and that'll be that their underlying cause is some feeling, there's a, a sense of uh, a lack of self-worth, a, a, a sense of guilt, a sense of that they don't measure up. And they will try to look at it from a psychological standpoint. And I'm not saying there aren't some psychological issues, but the underlying issue with all of us as human beings is we just inherently know that we're guilty before God. Now, we may try to blame these feelings of not feeling worthy on our parents, on the way we were raised, and those things may contribute to it. But our underlying problem is that we know we're unworthy because we are. We know we're guilty because we are. We know we're failures because we are. We know that because God's law is written on our heart. Now, we may try to Re repress that. We may push it down. We may try to blame it on other things. We may to try to find solutions to make us feel better, but we just know that we're guilty. So guess what can help us with that sense of guilt is some sense of accomplishment, some sense of doing something. So we look to law. We look to deeds. We look to religious activities. And then it makes us feel morally superior. It makes us feel like, yeah, see? Yeah, I know that I'm saved. Look at, look, at, look at what I'm doing. And so even though we try to tell ourselves we're trusting in Christ, there's a little bit of us that we want to cling on to our actions and our deeds, or I'll use the illustration, our fig leaves. We know, we know in a sense, our shame. So we cover it up with religious acts, religious deeds. Oh, we know how to say the right spiritual words, right? We don't want anyone in church to know what's really behind, uh, un, you know, underneath those fig leaves. We don't want anyone to see our shame. So we cover it up. We know when to say, praise God. How you doing? I'm blessed, brother. Praise God. Doing, you know, we know all the right words, right? And we do a little religious act, religious word. We cover it all up. 
because it makes, it gives us some sense of, well, maybe I'm not as bad as I feel, right? So we're, we're drawn to that. And, be, and sometimes it's very easy to cling to the works, to the deeds, instead of to the imputed righteousness of Christ. The imputed righteousness of Christ, I can't see it. I can't see it. I don't feel it because it's imputed. It's not infused. It's not inside of me. So it's, it, it's, it's set apart from my, so all of my senses. I can't taste it. I can't smell it. I can't touch it. I can't feel it. It's just a, it's a legal declaration that by faith, it has been imputed to me. I have no sense of it. But what I do know is I'm a sinner. And what I do know is I feel guilty. So what I do is like, okay, but, but, but I go to church. I read my Bible. I mean, okay, I may struggle here, but I mean, I haven't done this. I mean, I may struggle here, but I mean, I, I didn't go to Vegas and sleep with five prostitutes and, and, you know, do drugs. So, I mean, I'm, I'm doing, and we start covering ourselves in fig leaves. So we feel a little bit better. Oh, and we love to talk about other people who are doing bad things, right? Oh, we love to throw them under the bus, right? We love to throw other people under the bus because it makes us feel better about ourselves. We have a tendency to grab on to something that we do, right? Because we can't sense imputed righteousness. We can't feel it. it it's outside of me. That, that's why it's called imputed. If it was infused, it would be inside of me. And then maybe I could sense it. Maybe I could feel it. Maybe I could see its work. Imputed, it doesn't, it doesn't produce anything. It doesn't produce righteousness. It declares me to be righteous. It doesn't make me righteous. It just declares me to be perfectly righteous. So then I look to good deeds and religious activities and to try to give me a sense that I'm okay but I'm looking to the wrong thing. Now, they ask this question. Galatians, they, they read uh, Galatians 2.20. What is the true proof that you're saved? Now, there are those within the evangelical world, so well, the proof that you're saved is what you do. You do this, this, and this, and this. It proves you're saved. No, you're looking to the wrong thing. Practical righteousness cannot prove imputed righteousness. Imputed is not proven by practical because imputed doesn't produce practical righteousness. Imputed just declares me to be righteous. So what is the proof that I'm saved? Well, if they want me to look at Galatians 2.20, it is this. Because by faith, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me, and now I'm living by faith. So the proof would be my faith in Christ Jesus. My proof of my salvation is the finished work of Jesus, his death, his finished work, his righteousness. Now, then they ask this question. What does it mean to allow Christ to live through you? Well, I don't know. What does it mean to allow Christ to live through me? What does that mean? I don't know. Because the text doesn't say anything about me allowing anything. It says, is allowing Christ to live through you easier or more difficult than following a set of rules? Well, to me, if the whole key to the Christian life is me allowing Jesus, it's just another rule that I have to follow. I've got to figure out how to keep allowing Jesus so that I can live better, but that's just a different rule. It's like, well, I, I, re, I remove this set of rules to embrace a new rule that says I must allow Jesus. And if I don't do A, B, C, D, and E, well, then I'm not really allowing him. It's just as works-based as anything else. 
they go on to say this. The Judaizers probably believed that they were guarding the faith. However, they were really doing was being distracted by issues that weren't important and creating conflict within the church. Peter rebuked them by saying, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Acts 15, 10 through 11. You're right. There's, we don't place a burden on someone because whatever rules you say prove someone is saved, you're never going to fulfill those rules exactly. So you're always going to be doubting your salvation. How do I know I'm saved? Because of Jesus Christ, the finished work of him. What is distracting you from following God? What is creating a yoke of bondage on you that shouldn't be there? Are you worried that you're not doing enough to deserve a relationship with God? Are you concerned about some other issue and failing to trust God's sovereign hand in it? Then you need to return to the basic truth that your salvation is through faith in Christ and your whole life, whole life must be as well. Now, I agree with that. I just don't like them saying I have to allow something because that's putting it as a work. No, I don't do anything. I put my faith, I'm dead. Christ lives in me, and now I just live my life by faith in the truth of that imputed righteousness of my positional standing. All right, and then we'll just stop right there. There we have it. Galatians 2.20. I'm going to read it from this translation. I have been crucified with Christ. Fact, done, finished. And I no longer live. Fact, finished, done. Christ lives in me. Fact, finished, done. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. How do you live? I'm to live by faith in, in believing those things that are true positionally, even though I don't experience, can't feel it, can't see it, that's true positionally. You, if you knew me, you would be like, man, he's not dead. He's not been crucified with Christ. Christ is not living in him. That's what you would see. You would see my failures and my shortcomings. But guess what? All of those things are true because I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ. And, I, and by that faith, I've united in him. And all of those things are true positionally. That concludes day 24. Scripture number 24. And the scripture, the principle we came up with is we must understand the difference and reality of our position in Christ versus living out the Christian uh, and living out the Christian life. I'm going to check the iPad really quick just to make sure I'm not missing any comments because I hate when I close the... Uh, the computer, and I'm like, oh, man, someone said something, and then I have to try to go find them and say, hey, I've missed your comment. All right, let's see what we have here. Oh, yeah, someone said uh, 36, uh, 36 minutes ago, I don't like how that sounds. Why do I have to allow him to do anything? Thank you. I, I'm, I'm so with you because it just makes it another rule right? Hey, you don't live according, you know, you're saved by grace, but, 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 but if you really want to have the abundant life, you've got to allow Jesus. You, well, that just makes it another rule that puts me in a perpetual state of guilt because then anytime I'd fall a little, fall a little short, well, then I didn't allow him enough. And my thing is 
Can he overcome my disallowing him to do the work that he started in me? I mean, I like, there's just so many issues with it all, but I don't want to go back through them again, right? You can email me all of your agreement or disagreement or questions to newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. There you go. Are, are, you, are you excited? Are you? We just completed day 24. That means we got five days left. Five days. In five days, we will have completed this. I almost feel like, like, you know what? Just, just do all five days today. I'm just going to do all the next five. But no, I'm not going to do that. I said 30 days, 30 scriptures. That's 30 scriptures in 30 days. And that's what we're going to do. It's going to take us 30 days. And, we're just, and I'm, I haven't skipped a day, even no matter what. I have not skipped a day. No matter what was going on behind the scenes, I have not skipped a day. And uh, hopefully we can finish this and it'll be beneficial. But that concludes day 24. I would challenge you to spend some time today meditating on Galatians 2.20. And I know my perspective I just presented many pastors would disagree with. If you have a different perspective, by all means, let me know what you think. All right? There we go. I, I, I think this one deserves. I think because of the importance of what we talked about, I think this episode does deserve to go out this way. 